If you did not open with Zach to 2 Chronicles, go ahead and grab your Bibles and open to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Go back one from where he started, and we're going to be walking through chapters 14, 15, and 16 tonight. I tried to give Zach some hard names, but he did great with it, uh, so I'll, I'll do better next time to give him some harder names to read. Uh, but we'll get to those prophets and what they said here in just a minute. This is our series we're doing on some Sunday nights. Um, now, learning from the kings of the divided kingdom, what are we talking about here? We're talking about... Um, the time when Israel split into northern Israel and southern Judah. So here's where the biblical timeline fits. If you're trying to put this in your mind, where are we even at in 2 Chronicles? So about 1400 B.C., if you're a dates person, the, uh, the Israelites enter what we call the promised land because God had promised it to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and to their descendants. And so they go in about 1400 B.C. after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. About 350 years later... You go through the time of the judges, and the people began asking for a king. We want a king. God didn't want them to ask for a king. He knew it was going to happen, but they asked for a king. And so you have Saul, you have David, you have Solomon. And then after all of their kingships, in about 930 B.C., you have the kingdom split. And we've talked about that in these lessons. We talked about how Rehoboam, if you remember, who is Solomon's son, they came to him and they said, if you will just lower our workload, we will serve you. And he asked the older elders, and they said, yes, listen to the people, lower their workload. Solomon worked the people hard for all these building projects. Just lowered a little bit, and they're with you. But he, he talked to the people of his own age group and asked them, the young men, what do you think I should do? And they said, you be even tougher. You tell them you had not seen anything yet. And so he goes back to the people, and he listens to his younger group. He says, you had not seen anything yet. It's going to be tougher. And so ten tribes just leave. And so the northern kingdom of Israel is those ten tribes. Judah and Benjamin are the southern group. The first few kings of the southern group, Rehoboam, we looked at him last week. Remember, he's the, he's the one that got it all split because he didn't listen to the, the wiser elders. He then had a, if you're with us last week, he had a stretch where he was faithful. Looked like he was going to be okay. Uh, but then he got strong, you remember, and he forgot the Lord when things got strong and good. And we challenged ourselves not to let that happen. If you get to a place in life where you have peace and you have strength, don't be tempted to think that you don't need God anymore. A lot of people have followed that path. And you remember Egypt comes in and they take away so many of the things of the temple that we just put there. Solomon, his father, just put them all there. And they're already taking things away out of the temple. Just one generation past Solomon. So Rehoboam, he, he is a king for 17 years. His son Abijah is a king for only three, so we're going to skip past Abijah. And then we're going to talk tonight about Asa. And then we'll just do one more of these. There are 40 kings total in northern and southern. There's 20 of the southern kingdom. Um, great lessons in all of them probably. We're just going to do a few here at the beginning, the beginning of the divided kingdom. And what I hope will happen, just look at these first few, Rehoboam, Asa, and one more next week, is just to see how, how God is evaluating things. I mean, the God, you'll notice in these accounts, there's not a whole lot about how wealthy they were, uh, all that stuff. What God cares about is, are they faithful to me or not? Are they living for me or not? And so we're learning what God cares about. We're learning about leadership and hopefully some other faith lessons as well. So our goal tonight, as you see on the outline, we're going to walk through Asa and his kingship. He reigns for 41 years, one of the longest reigns of the kings. I think the second longest of the southern kingdom. Uh, Manasseh, who was not a good king, I believe was the longest at 55. Um, and, but he reigns 41, and uh, we're going to see what happened. 
And I got a few lessons there at the end for some things I hope we can take away from it. And you might notice just as a quick glance what I've got there on the outline. You can divide Asa's kingship into two periods. One is 35 years, and it's really good. But then it's sad because then you have six years where he's not who he should have been. So similar to Rehoboam, who started good, got strong, forgot God. We're going to see Asa starts good for 35 years. And then he's going to have a turn of his faith as well. And he's not going to be who he needs to be. So what are we going to learn from all that? That'll be our goal tonight. So let's see what happened with Asa's life. First of all, starts off great. He commands the people to seek the Lord. One thing you see over and over in the kings, when there is a faithful king, the people follow God. Their leadership is so important. When there is an unfaithful king who doesn't care about God, the people don't follow God. So Asa, he starts out here in chapter 14, the first few verses, he becomes king here in verse 1. And then verse 2 says, He did good and right in the sight of the Lord his God. For he removed the foreign altars and high places. He tore down the sacred pillars. He cut down the asherim. All these things, all these idol worship things that had grown up in Israel that keep coming up. And then you have to take them down when a faithful king comes. And they come up again. You got to tear them down when a faithful king comes. He commanded Judah, verse 4, to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. Verse 5, He also removed the high places, the incense altars, from all the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was undisturbed under him. So similar to a little bit of what we saw in Rebo, he starts great. We are going to follow God. That is his message. We are following God here in Judah. If you remember what we said last week, the northern kingdom of Israel was never faithful. There was never a faithful king from the time it split. Jeroboam started putting in golden calves to try to keep the people from going back to Jerusalem. It was never faithful. The southern kingdom, you have these ups and downs. And it often depended on the king. He starts off great. We're going to follow God. Second thing then, he trusts God for this great victory. One of the great victories in Israel's history. There are several times in Israel's history. Remember, they're not a, they're not a big nation. And, and Moses said that very clearly in Deuteronomy. God has chosen you not because you're bigger and stronger than people but because he made promises to your forefathers. And so he's going to take care of you. If you stay with me, I'm staying with you. That was God's message. And there's several times this smaller nation, smaller army, goes up against these huge numbers of, of people, and God gives them the victory because God's in control of his world. And so one of those great victories happens here with Asa. And it's a little further down in 2 Chronicles 14, starting verse 9. It says, Now Zerah the Ethiopian, and scholars are not sure... If this is an Ethiopian nation that is all its own, which is perhaps what's going on, or if he is the head of an army that's part of Egypt's nation, not exactly sure. But, but he comes out of northern Africa. He's an Ethiopian. He comes against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots. They don't have a lot of chariots. We saw Rehoboam face more chariots last week. But they got a lot of people. And he comes to Marashah, if I'm saying that right. So Asa went out to meet him. And they drew up in battle formation in the valley of Zephathah. And then verse 11, this is one of the great prayers. This is an underlinable verse in your Bible. This is, a, this is a prayer to make your own as you face things in your own life. He's facing this army of a million people. And Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is no one besides you to help in the battle 
between the powerful and those who have no strength. So help us, O Lord our God, for we trust in You, and in Your name have come against this multitude. O Lord, You are our God. Let not man prevail against You. I love the simplicity of that prayer. That's just powerful, isn't it? God, there's, there's no one else to help when people who have no strength go against the powerful. Uh, we live in a world where sadly far too often, if you have power, you can do what you want. Um, our nation, probably believe it or not, is on the better end of not letting that happen. And it still happens a whole lot here. And all over the world, you have power, you do what you want. And he says, God, we need you. We need you on that. Because we're going against people, we're, we're not powerful enough. We need you to stand with us. So just a great, a very, very real prayer. Verse 12, So the Lord routed the Ethiopians before Asa, before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. God decides where victory lies in the world. And here the army of Israel, not sure how many they had, but they, they rout the army of the Ethiopians. God does it, right? You know what verse 12 says? The Lord routed the army. Uh, do not forget, God is a majority all by himself. <laughs> Whatever the numbers are against God, uh, if God is with us, who is against us? Romans 8, 31. And so this is another one of those great victories. So, man, these are great with Asa. He's, he's commanded to follow the Lord. There's this amazing victory, one of the great ones against crazy odds in all of Israel's history. And then he leads one of the great revivals in Judah. Several times in the time of the kings, you have, you have Hezekiah, you have Josiah, you have these times where these revivals happened, where everyone comes together, usually with the king's leadership, and says, let's draw closer to God than we ever have before. And he leads one of these. So here, this is what Zach read a minute ago, 2 Chronicles 15. It says, The Spirit of God came on Azariah the son of Oded. So he is a prophet of God. And he goes out to King Asa and says to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. Remember, those are those two tribes in the southern kingdom. Listen to me, Asa and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with Him. And if you seek Him, He will let you find Him. But if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. That had always been the message of the old covenant with God's people that was given on Mount Sinai. If you're with me, God says... I, I will stand alongside you. If you will seek me, you will find me. And so that's the message of the prophet. God wants to be with you, but it is your choice. It is your choice. In that sense, that's still true, isn't it? God is as close to us as we have allowed him to be. If you are not close tonight, it's not because God has moved. It's because your life has taken you somewhere else. God is as close to us. James 4, 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I hope you and I will take the message that is consistently in the Bible seriously. God wants to be close. I want to make sure I'm taking advantage of that offer. And so they, they come to him and the prophet tells him that. And, and I didn't put this verse up here, but as you read on down, if you have it open in front of you, he says in about verse 7, I think, that you will have success. Just stand with God. You will have success. Be courageous. And verse 8, Asa listens. He hears the word of God and he listens. It says, now when Asa heard these words... And the prophecy which Azariah the son of Oded the prophet spoke, he took courage and he removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities 
which he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. So we've done a little bit of that. Now it's a full national revival. He restores the altar of the Lord, which was in front of the porch of the Lord. It just amazes me. You see little notes like this throughout Chronicles and Kings? It just amazes me that at some point somebody just took the altar down. Like, like how do we get to that place? How do we get to that place where people just decide, we don't need God's altar anymore. Let's just serve these other gods, I guess is what's happening. So he's got to restore the altar of the Lord. He gathers everybody together in verse 9. You notice, by the way, there's more tribes there than just Judah and Benjamin. Because the bottom half of that verse says, Many defected to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. If you were with us last week, we saw that with Rehoboam. The northern kingdom was not faithful. The southern kingdom was trying to follow the Bible. So people who were faithful in the northern kingdom left to go down and be with the southern kingdom. Same thing here. They're saying, hey, God's with them down there. God's with Asa. Asa's following the Lord. So they leave and go down to, to follow him. The faithful of God are trying to follow uh, where God is being followed. And so verse 10, they assemble at Jerusalem, all these people trying to follow God. The third month, the 15th year of his reign, they make these great sacrifices to the Lord. You see there in verse 11, it's a time of worship. And they enter into the covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and all their soul. What a special, what a special time. When everyone is excited to follow the Lord. Those are special times when when not just your heart or not just someone else's heart, when a whole group of people's hearts come together to say, we're going to follow the Lord. And not only are we going to follow Him, we're going to give Him all our heart and soul. Isn't that what that verse says? They all come together and make this covenant, this promise. We are going to follow God together with all we have. And again, this happens with Hezekiah's reign. This happens with Josiah's reign. It happens with Asa's reign. Just this amazing time. And and I hope I put the verse up here. I didn't put the verse up here. Go down a little bit to verse 16 if you have have it open in front of you. I think it's verse 16. People were celebrating because we've all given God our heart and soul. We've all sought the Lord and He is blessing us. So this is a time of celebration. So this is... Now, this is not, we're not to year 35 yet, but things are great with Asa. He, he's, he's on path to go down as one of the most faithful kings that God's people would ever see. But then something happens. I wish I could tell you what happened. I wish the Bible told us what happened. But somewhere along the way, around year 36 of his reign, something changes in Asa. I don't know if he had life experiences that that made him frustrated at the world. I don't know if he got scared about the world as he got older. I don't know if he decided he wanted to be like the other nations. I don't know what happened. But somewhere along the way, he's not the same person. He's he's not a trusting person anymore. You notice I've got that that word trust with the the crack through the middle. Remember his, his prayer to God when they faced the army? Lord, we trust you. He's not that person anymore. And that's just really sad. It's really sad when you see someone who who used to be a strong person of faith and somewhere along the line, they've let that change. And Asa had let that change. Look at what happened. So first of all, he's faced with another military threat. And there's no prayer of faith. There's no we can face the army of a million. What he does is he, he tries to find other ways to get military victory. And he only trusts men. 
Now, if I were only reading what we're about to read, I might not think it's too bad. Like, it just sounds like you're, you're trying to find a way to fix the problem. But what the prophet is going to come tell him is, there was a lack of faith behind how you handled this. You didn't think God could help you. And so you did it yourself. And so it starts in chapter 16. In the, 30, in the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, the king of Israel, so now this is the northern kingdom, he comes up against Judah, he fortified Ramah, he made it a military outpost, in order to prevent anyone from going out or coming in to Asa, king of Judah. Here's what I think is happening. The faithful people are coming to Judah. He didn't want that to keep happening. So the king of the northern kingdom decides, we're just going to make this where they can't come through. We're, we're going to guard the lines. We're not going to let them go down to Judah. We're not going to let Judah come to us. We don't want to hear about them following God. We don't want to hear that stuff. So we're just going to make this border a little tighter. No one's going through it. Uh, we don't want any of y'all talking uh, to God. And so he's got this problem. What do I do with, with Basha, the king of Israel? He brings out silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sends them to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who lived in Damascus. So he, there's no prayer. He sends money to this king of Aram, and he says, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as between my father and your father. God wasn't happy with that one either. We'll talk about that one another time. Behold, I have sent you silver and gold. Go break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that he will withdraw from me. So King Israel, he's right on my border. He, he's putting military stuff. We could all be in trouble here. He pays the king of Aram, please be on our side, not his side. And, and it, it works. It works. Verse 4, Ben-Hadad listened to King Asa. He sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they conquered. You see the cities there. I won't try to pronounce them all. And all the store cities of Naphtali. So they go in and they start conquering cities. So, so it works. Seems like it's great. Except what we're going to find out is, from the prophet, that's not what God wanted. When he hears the prophet, let me go ahead and put this up here, he reacted angrily to God's word. Do you remember how he reacted earlier when the prophet came and said, uh, God is with you and you're with him? He said, yes, yes, we're, we're going to have a revival. We're going to draw near to God. This time he's going to hear God's word and it is not the same reaction. He's not the same person. I, I don't know why. But here in verse 7, at that time, Hanani, I tried to look up that one, Hanani the seer, the seer, another word for prophet, the seer, came to Asa king of Judah and said to him, because you have relied on the king of Aram and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. <laughs> wow. He thought he was being smart. But what the prophet says is, if you would have trusted God, not only would you have been able to defeat Israel, you would have defeated Aram too. Like, they may seem big and powerful to you. You, you were going to have that victory. There was an even better future for you that God had in mind. If you just would have trusted God the way you did all those years ago. Verse 8, he goes back to that, army, that battle from years ago and says, Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubim an immense army with many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, He delivered them into your hand. He's going back. Don't you remember... You want a great victory when you just stood with God. What, what, what happened? And then verse 9, this is another one of those 
underlinable passages. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely His. What a great promise. God is looking. God is looking for faith and He wants to support it where He sees it. You have acted foolishly in this. Indeed, from now on, you will surely have wars. I'd like to wish that Asa would have said, I'm sorry, I should have done better. You know, one of the big hinge points of our lives will be when we have messed up, and we will, all of us are going to mess up. When, when we have messed up, when we're confronted with the Word of God, how are we going to handle that? Are we going to get prideful? Are we going to say, how dare you? Are we going to say, who are you to talk to me about doing anything right? Are we going to deny it all and say, no, I, none, none of that happened? Or, or are we going to say, with honest heart, I need to do better. I, I sinned. We look at David, who did a lot of stuff wrong. And we all acknowledge, you see a good heart in David when he's confronted with his sin. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. He, he just admitted it. I, I need to fix it. Here, that's not Asa. Asa is angry with the seer, with the prophet. How dare you? How dare you tell me what I should have done? He put him in prison. This, this is a prophet of God. He puts him in prison, for he was enraged at him for this. And then look at this. Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. We don't know what that's about. Were, were, they, were they on the prophet's side? Were they saying, hey, why'd you do this? So he, he puts them in prison too. He, he, gets, he starts oppressing his own people. He's not the same person. He is, he's not trusting God. He's mad when he hears the word of God. And then one more thing to put here that the Bible tells us about. In his later years, he's got, he has a disease that he faces. And he doesn't seek God's help with that either. He does not seek God's help when he faces disease. You see that in these last few verses. In the 39th year of his reign, remember he reigns 41, Asa became diseased in his feet. Not exactly sure what it was. His disease was severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. I told you, I want us to notice as we went through this, just what God cares about. Um, this is an interesting thing to put in for a king. God's not interested in how much money the king had. He's not interested in a lot of things. Did he trust me? Did, did he love me? What, what, did he have faith in me? That's what God's looking at our lives, and that's what he's, he's looking for. So he faces this disease. He's talking to doctors. He's not talking to God. So Asa slept with his fathers, having died in the 41st year of his reign. And then verse 14 ends uh, what, what we know about him. They buried him in his own tomb, which he had cut out for himself in the city of David. So he made himself a tomb. They laid him in the resting place, which he had filled with spices of various kinds, blended by the perfumer's, perfumer's art. And they made a very great fire for him. That's sort of a neat thing to me. They, they had this big fire in his honor, I suppose. But maybe I'll do that whenever I pass away. I'll ask for a big fire. But, but Asa's got this big fire. They don't burn his body. They lay his body in the, in the tomb here. But they have this big fire in his honor. And, uh, and that's how his reign of 41 years sort of ends with... The, he's, got a, he's got a burial. He's got a nice celebration. But faith-wise, just ends with a whimper, doesn't it? 35 years of faith. And then six years of no faith. What happened? What do we learn from all that? Um, I've got three things that I just hope we'll keep in mind. There might be some better ones I haven't mentioned tonight.
But um, I've got three things I hope we'll keep in mind. Number one, I must continue. It's the key word I wanted us to write down. I must continue to trust God. I hope you've already had some great faith victories in your life. I imagine you have. I imagine you've had times where you trusted the Lord. You prayed. You faced difficulty. God, please be with me. And God stood with you. You made a decision if you're a Christian here tonight. You made a decision at some point. God, I'm with you. I'm giving you my life. I'm being baptized into Christ. I want my sins to be washed away. I want to rise up to walk a new life. You, you stood with the Lord. But then you got to keep going, don't you? That's not the end. Becoming a Christian is a starting point. It's a big starting point. But it's a starting point. And you got to keep going. There's, there's a long path ahead. And my experience is, just from talking to people, from reading the Bible, every life stage has its own challenges. So just because I was faithful in, in a previous life stage doesn't guarantee I'll have faith in the next one. There, there's no promise of that. i got to choose that all over again. Every life stage is going to have challenges. You're going you're to face different things at different times in life. And you've got to decide, uh, am I going to keep standing with God or not? You know, I've wondered just about myself. Um, I don't consider myself old. Maybe I'm getting there, though. Uh, and I, as I get older... I do find myself sometimes less trusting of like the world and people in general. Um, a silly example, maybe we go to our with our kids to an amusement park and we get on a roller coaster. Now, you know what I start thinking as I'm sitting in line: Who built this thing? <laughs> uh, who, who checks who checks those bars that are way up there? When's the last time this thing was serviced? You know, I find myself asking questions I didn't ask a lot uh, years ago. I just jumped on the ride and had fun. There, there's there's something about going along the path of life that you, that, at least for me, speaking for myself, won't speak for you, that, that I find myself, maybe I shouldn't be as trusting as I have been. Maybe I've been naive on some things. I don't want that to apply to my relationship with God. It may be that you learn more about the world and you learn you need to be more cautious about people and situations and all that, but you never want to allow that path to mean I don't trust God as much. God is still there. God is still doing what He's always been doing. I, maybe, maybe trust is more difficult as you get older. I don't know. But for Asa, something changed. And he does not continue to trust God. And whatever new life stage he was into, he didn't continue. He didn't, he didn't keep trusting the Lord. Let's remind ourselves what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. And let's emphasize this one tonight. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight in all your ways. Not the ways you've already faced, not the ones you can look back the, the ways you're about to come upon also. Everything in between. The ways I'm about to come upon, keep trusting the Lord. Asa, stop trusting the Lord. I don't want to make that mistake in my life. Number two, trust is often revealed in how we face times of fear. It's easy to say you trust when you don't have to trust, Right? It's easy to consider yourself a person of strong faith when there's no real faith challenge that you're facing. But when we come upon times of fear, maybe health struggles, maybe relationships going directions we wish they weren't going, uh, maybe finances going directions you wish they weren't going, um, but what, whatever the challenge ahead, when you face those fear times, that's when a lot of times you figure out, do I really trust God or not? Uh, or am I just going to try to do it all myself? Am I just going to figure it out myself? Am I going to talk to the doctors but not talk to God? <laughs> am I going to build up the army and pay the other king but not really talk to God about it? That, those fear times are where we often find out, am I really standing with the Lord or not? 
Some verses that remind us that God tries to tell us over and over in Scripture to face those fear times with courage. I'm not telling you it's easy. I'm telling you it's part of faith. Deuteronomy 31.6, they're talking about how Joshua is eventually going to take over. It says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them as you face these, these people you're going to face in the promised land. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. The God who can defeat an army of a million people with far less is the same God who stands alongside His people today. Let's face those fear times. I understand. I understand fear. I understand when you're, when you're worried about something. I understand when you're, you're afraid things might go away, you don't want them to go. But let's not forget, you're not doing that alone. You're not walking that path alone. God walks alongside His people. As Psalm 27.1 says it, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? What, what a great question. Who am I going to be afraid of? I'm, I'm with God. Anybody bigger than God? No. Who, am I, who should I be afraid of? The Lord is the defense of my life. Who, whom shall I dread? In Christ, when you, when you have all the, the strength of God and the promise of an eternal home with God, it's not a whole lot that should scare you because <laughs> God's going to be alongside you. Now, that's easy to say from, from when you're thinking clearly, but in the middle of it, we've got to remind ourselves, God's still with me. God is still with me. Asa forgot that, that message somewhere along the way. When we face times of fear, the same God is still with us who has always been with His people. Number three, I love the reminder from the prophets in Asa's life. God stands ready to support those who give their heart to Him. God is looking for faith. He is looking to encourage and strengthen and reward faith. If we'll just show it, if we'll just, if we'll just live into the faith that we know God wants us to have. Let's look at those two promises again that the prophets gave Asa. The first one he listened to, he doesn't listen to the second one. But the first one's from Azariah. He goes and he says, The Lord is with you and you're with Him. If you seek Him, He will let you find Him. But if you forsake Him, He'll forsake you. We're as close to God tonight as we have chosen to be. God wants to be close to us. And then Hanani the seer in 2 Chronicles 16.9, The eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that He may strongly support those whose heart is completely His. God wants, He wants to support us. He wants to stand alongside our faith. Put, our, put your faith in God and just see. Just, just see if He won't stand alongside you. Just see if He won't be the support in the the path ahead. God wants to be with His people. And when He sees that faith, He comes alongside us in an even bigger way. So what we learned from Asa, maybe some other things as well. Uh, It's just disappointing, isn't it? It's disappointing to see a life that started so faithfully somewhere go the wrong direction. I hope that won't be us. I hope we'll never make the mistake of letting the world pull us away from God. But if we have, boy, let's get that back where it needs to be. Let's get our relationship back where it needs to be. We're going to face things in life that are much bigger than us. That's just the reality. There's going to be health things you can't control, I can't control. There's going to be world dynamics that you can't control, I can't control. You either face them with fear or you face them with God. To me, that's an easy, that's an easy choice when, when we're thinking clearly. My hope tonight is you and I will put the faith in God, recognizing He stands with His people. And the difference between a life of weakness and a life of strength is often that choice. <laughs> Am I going to trust God or not? There is strength 
in faith. There is weakness in fear. I want to stand with the Lord who gives strength, knowing that He walks with His people, whatever challenges they face. Let's stay faithful to God all the way to the end of our path. We're about to sing a song, and I noticed uh, as I was putting the PowerPoint together that the first phrase of this song is about how we don't always have strength, but God has strength. During this song, if we can help you in any way publicly, you're invited to come to the front. We'd love to pray with you tonight. Maybe, Maybe you find yourself drifting in the wrong direction spiritually. Maybe you feel like your trust is not what it used to be, but you don't want to stay there. Come back to God tonight. Let us pray for you. Let us, put, let us pray that God will put you back on the path of forgiveness and strength that you want to be on. Or if you're ready to become a Christian tonight, we'd love to see you take that step as well. If we can help you in any way, invite you to come to the front now while we stand and while we sing. watch and pray find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it